Christy Westerfeld, thanks so much for hopping on Thinking Bigger with Kevin Feely. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Excited to be here. So tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes. So basically, I am the online business owner attorney. Um, I operate uh, a couple different businesses, but basically uh, what I do is I serve online business owners, um, coaches, consultants, people of that nature um, with legal templates, with master classes, with information, with legal education uh, through my company called Coach Legally. Um, I also run my law firm called Westerfeld Law, where I do a lot more uh, general counsel work with companies in California. So that's where I do lots of the business entity formation. Um, I do trademarks and copyrights nationwide. Um, basically anything that new business owners, entrepreneurs, online business owners may need in order to legally protect their businesses, uh, we handle. Awesome. Great. And where, where did you go to school? Yeah. So I live in Northern California now. Um, I grew up up here kind of between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. Um, grew up here and I went to college at UC Santa Barbara, so gauchos, um, went to law school at Whittier Law School down in Orange County, California, um, and stayed down there for a while. I worked for a couple of larger law firms doing more corporate type work. Um, and then really I sort of had that itch that I feel like all of us eventually have gotten because we are here now where we think there's just kind of gotta be something more to this, right? Let's think bigger as you say. Um, how can I, you know, help more people? How can I make a bigger impact? How can I do something that, that feels, um, more fun and more, uh, more impactful? Um, so that's when I decided to go out on my own and started my law firm and, uh, my legal template business. Um, I actually was a certified health coach while I was working in, um, in the law firm that I was with, um, and as I started meeting more online coaches and sort of learning more about the coaching and digital business industry, everybody had legal questions. Like as soon as they found out I was a lawyer, they were like, wait, but can you do my contracts? I have this, tell me about disclaimers. Like I don't understand any of this. And I had just done it all for my own coaching business. And so I was very well versed in that field. Um, and so it's sort of, you know, the universe sort of gave it to me of like, no, no, you're not supposed to be a health coach. You're supposed to be a lawyer for coaches. Right. Um, and so that was how that started kind of from, um, it started very organically from my professional corporate law world into doing my own thing. It's funny how that happens. And also it's funny how, like you mentioned, the universe sort of points you in the right direction when you're following your heart, right? So you think you want this one thing and really it's like, everything's going wrong. This is just, things don't work out and there's so much interference. And then all of a sudden it just flows smoothly in, in another direction, you realize, oh yeah, this is, this is much better. The clouds part, right? Yes. And I had a coach at the time who was always telling me, the coach that you know as well, um, you really got to go out on your own. You got to do this thing. You got to do this. You got to do this. And I just like, I would hear him say this and I just was like, that's not for me. That's not for me. I'm an employee, you know? Yeah. Um, and then fast forward a few years and sure enough, here's this path laid out for me that I'm like, now I see it. So yeah, right. I totally agree that it's it's not always what we think we're going to do, right? It's not always our decision. Yeah. And when I was growing up, I thought that I was an employee forever and I was going to be like a middle to low employee. I never really thought that I was going to be a business owner or buy businesses or, you know, do these kind of things. So what was it that made you see yourself differently in that way? You know, what was it that got you from being 
in the mindset and the, the belief of I'm an employee to I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, it was, it wasn't smooth to be totally honest. Like I, it was so ingrained in me that I was an employee, right? Like I was a um, high level associate at the law firm I was with and was getting all of the awards and the head pats and I was billing all the hours and I was doing all the things to be successful. Um, and I was in my twenties and was just like, I'm not feeling that fulfilled feeling I thought I would have, you know? And so that led me to sort of start down the personal development road and, and sort of like learned like, oh my gosh, like there's way more that I could be doing and I can actually choose and I can create my own sort of path. Um, so that was sort of the first itch. And then it was really being in the health coaching space and seeing that need, you know, seeing people asking me and like, oh my gosh, I would hire you for this. I would hire you for this. And I was like, oh no, no, like, I'll just do it. Like, I just, I didn't even know how to like have a business, you know, it wasn't right. even within my my ability to like, okay, yes, let's, let's create a law firm and, and do this. Um, and then I just sort of realized like, wait a minute, if there's 30 people asking me for the same document, like what if I could create a template for it and give people sort of their, um, the tools that they need to tweak it for them. But by and large, it's the same sort of basic document. Um, I could help more people and I could serve people, you know, there's, hundreds of thousands of health coaches, right? And I serve much more than just health coaches, but that's sort of how it started. Right. Um, what if there's a way that I could just help all 10,000 of these people with one document? Um, and so that's what sort of planted the seed in me of like, wait a minute, like, what if I could do, what if this worked? Right. Um, my husband was super supportive. I was actually pregnant at the time with our first child. And, and so that was sort of a big thing too, of like, I want to be able to be a present mom, you know, right. and there's a big tug of war with being like a, a litigation attorney and having a flexible schedule. That's not, it doesn't work. Um, right. So that was in the background too, of like, how can I have a successful career as an attorney, but also make the school pick up, you know, like I want both. And, and I, I feel like there's a way that it can be both that you can be a present mom and have a high power career. And, and there's a way to have it all, so to speak. Um, and so my husband was super supportive. He was like, okay, well, you know, that sounds great. Do it. And, um, yeah. and it was a big leap of like, okay, worst case scenario, you know, I can still get a job. This isn't like, I'm not going to die. Yeah. Um, and let's just, let's, let's do it. What you just said is so important. And it's the biggest thing that I see that keeps people from chasing their dreams. It's the, the thought that, if I leave my current situation, it won't be there anymore. And typically people don't like their current situation. So right. I, I was on, uh, uh, Bradley's dropping bombs recently. And this metaphor kind of came to me on the show, but I use it as a metaphor of if you're on hanging onto this life raft in the middle of the ocean, right. And it's a terrible life raft. You're alive. You're, you, you know, you might catch a fish here and there, but you're, you're miserable. You're exhausted. And your whole life is going to be like this if you don't make a change. And then this big ass yacht comes by and you have to take a little risk to swim out to it. It's going slow. You can catch on to it. But most people just sit on that little raft and they don't make that decision. So the fact that you said I can always go back to the job, I'm not going to die is so important. And I think that that's if you take anything away from this podcast, that should be one of the biggest is you have to go take that leap. And there's no excuse because Chrissy, you did it while you said you were pregnant and, and yeah, you probably well, had yeah, it. I was about six months pregnant. So I was like, all right, yeah. I have like three and a half months. 
um, to get my act together. And it like, you know, it ebbs and flows. It's not like my story is definitely not like I, I tried it and it worked perfectly, you know, like there was ups and downs and I had a newborn and I was like, you know, building my social media at 2am and it, it was very messy. It was the messy action (laughs) that we talk about as a, as a new business owner. Um, Yes. I love that analogy. There's one, I can't think of it exactly, but it's the one about, you have to have courage to lose sight of the shore. You know, it's like, if you're on a ship, you have to have the courage to lose sight of the shore in order to reach a new Island, right? Like you have to let go of that crappy life raft in order to get to the yacht. And I think uh, as simple and silly as it sounds, just knowing like this simple phrase of like, I'm not going to die. Like there was very helpful to me of like, this is not a life or death situation. Like this is taking a risk. Like, yes, it's less money in the beginning for sure, but the no risk, no reward, right? The, the opportunities when you're a business owner are endless. And if you just take that first step of dipping your toe in of like, what would it look like if, you know, if you're, if you're a person that does journaling, right? Like, what would it look like? What if it worked, you know? And, and if it doesn't, then, okay, how do I, what's my plan so that I know, okay, if it doesn't work, I have a plan B, right? Like I can apply for another job. I can do X, Y, Z, but sometimes that helps just knowing there's somewhat of a safety net of like, I can get another job. I'm going to give it six months. If I make $0 and it's a total nightmare, it's okay. Right? Like we can figure it out. It's, it's no one is dying. Yeah. That's really good. And that's the mentality that people need to have. Now, how long did it take you from when you decided to start your business to go through the hiccups and actually get to a point where you felt like, okay, I'm doing this. And I know that this is for real. Like I'm not going back to the job. I mean, I would say after my son was born, it was like, I'm not going back. <laughs> Just because yeah. that experience of having a newborn and, and you never want to leave, right? It's just, you have this whole new purpose. Um, but I would say it was about six to nine months. Um, cause right away I sort of had that influx of new clients. Right. So that was sort of the initial rush of like, Oh my God, this is working. Yeah. Um, I had to draft all the templates, which was a huge undertaking right now. Like if you go to uh, coachlegally.com, there's like hundreds of templates in there. Right. But that had to start from somewhere. Um, so there was a lot of upfront work. Right. And then I was terrible, shockingly terrible at sales and marketing. Like I did not know how to like communicate that I had something for sale. Like I just, I was, I felt like it was awkward. Like I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, So that was a little bit of a hurdle for me. My husband's in sales. And so in the beginning, he actually was like writing my like cold pitches and like my stuff. Cause I was like, I I can't do it. Yeah. Um, So that it was like, it was cringy in the beginning, right? Because I was like, I can't do it. This is terrible. Um, but it's, you know, a lot of people do need legal help. And so they're starting their business. And I was just pointing out like, hey, your website's actually not compliant. Let me fix that for you. Or like, hey, you should trademark this. This is a brilliant you know, tagline, a phrase that you're using. Um, and I did a lot of stuff for free, right? Like I did so many free trainings and then would pitch my templates at the end and, and um, just did that over and over. And um, sort of tried to detach from the outcome, right? I wasn't like, how many sales did I make right after the training? I just would try to say, okay, it's I'm meeting people. They're like getting my name out there, getting my business out there. Um, and so it went up and down. It was, it was, um, 
it worked from the beginning, but I would say between when it, like I got my first sale to when I was like, okay, this is actually like a sustainable business, like making more than my law firm, like, oh my God, um, was probably about a year. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like I said, at ebbs and flows, you start to hire a team or you start to think like, think a little differently, right. Of, okay, now I have clients, but now I have too many clients or now let's expand into something else or me like then I had another baby so like then like now we have to automate these pieces so it's never really it never really feels done right it never really feels like all right I've done it um but I would say about about a year until I felt like I was kind of rocking and rolling and that's typically what it takes um to get things just the foundation set right because that first year is and and I would say it take, I mean, I think it probably took me two, almost three years to really understand. Like I knew when I decided to do it, that I was, there, there was just no going back. And if I did have to go get a job, it was temporary. Like I just decided that I was doing this and there was no, I was going to figure it out, whether it was, you know, a year from now or 50 years from now, I was going to figure it out. But I think the biggest thing is a lot of people don't, um, one, take that leap, but they also don't realize that when they start their business and they see all these struggles, you know, what makes an entrepreneur is literally just problem solving. That's why people give you money. It's um, how you beat your competition, because there's certain problems that the market and the universe will throw at you. And you just need to solve those problems. And I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine who is just got out of the military, is going to school and wants to be an entrepreneur in like the manufacturing world. And it kind of clicked when we were on the call that like, dude, you just have to decide you're going to do it and you need to leave no other options because if you're not good at sales and marketing, you can learn that. And that's a, yeah. an uncomfortable thing to have to get through. But if you want to be a business owner, get ready to be uncomfortable a lot, you know? Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. And it's sort of that, like, like you're talking about with your, with your friend, like it's sort of that, like your backs against the wall feeling of like, this is going to work, right? Because there's plenty of times where it's easier to be like, oh, forget it. Like, I don't yeah. want to do this. It's midnight. I'm still working. Or it's, what you know, this, I, I'm, I screwed up or, you know, whatever. Like, there's always going to be things, right? But if you have the mindset and you just decide like, okay, we're, I'm going to make this work. Um, and there's sort of like, I don't want to say no plan B, right? Because I think a plan B sometimes does help people, but um, when you feel like, no, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this work. And you decide it's that way. Um, it, it helps a lot. You know, mindset is, is so important in entrepreneurship. I've encountered a lot of people who aren't business owners. And a lot of times this has probably happened to you too. People tell me, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky that that worked out. You're so lucky that you like have a service that people just want. I'm like, please, like, yeah. are you kidding? Yep. <laughs> it did not just fall into my lap, you know, yeah. like there's, sure there maybe there's luck of like right place right time sometimes but like I don't know has it has anyone ever said that to you that like oh Kevin you're so lucky it just worked out for you yeah oh I'm so lucky you should have seen the the yeah no it's and people like, yeah, I just woke up and this is how my life was yeah no effort I know. at all and I, before I started a business, I remember looking at my employers and, you know, I worked for this credit card processing financial service company in Boston. And I remember watching the money they're raking in and being like, man, you know, I'm bringing in this business, but I'm only getting a, a small percentage of this deal. Like I should be getting paid more. And then 
And, but I knew that I trusted that they weren't, you know, like I trusted that they knew what they were doing and they weren't taking advantage. But then when I started my own business, I had employees say the same thing. And I realized like, you just don't fucking get the absolute terror that it can be starting a business and the writ, like you're not taking risk as an employee. So you don't get paid for the risk you don't take. Um, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So now, um, when somebody's starting a business, what do you think the biggest legal issues they're going to have that they may not expect? Well, it depends on the type of business, right? If it's an online business versus, you know, like a, a, a product-based business, it, it depends. Um, I would say a lot of times the things people don't realize is the importance of a contract, right? Like so often people their first client can be a surprise, right? Or they're they're thinking like, ah, I'm not a real business yet. I'm working on this, working on that. And then they have that first sales call that results in a yes, right? And you right. have that like, oh my God, moment of like, this person's gonna pay me, oh my God. Um, and all of the feelings of like, I'm not qualified. Like, oh my God, it's too much money. Yeah. Uh, but very few people in those moments where you are having those like first sales calls, you're pitching your ideas, whatever it is, right? Digital, physical, whatever. Um, when you get that yes, I I really believe that it, the biggest part, one of the biggest parts is to have a solid onboarding process, right? However you're onboarding this client or the, however the sale works, the onboarding process says everything about your company's credibility and is going to protect you legally as you're providing the service or selling the product, whatever, right? So the onboarding process starts with a contract, right? You or your team, right, sends them the contract to review, then the invoice, not the other way around, and then you start the services. One of the biggest misconceptions is a lot of times people say, especially if it's a, a phone call, like a sales call, take the money over the phone, right? We don't want to do that. Because the written contract is actually the offer for the, the product or the service, right? right. So the law works, offer acceptance consideration. The contract is the offer. So nothing is happening until you're sending them the written contract. That's where all the good stuff is, right? That's the services, the payment, the disclaimers, the limitations of liability, the dispute um, resolutions, all the stuff that you actually need in order to protect your business and you is in that contract, right? So don't take money from somebody before they've had a chance to look at what the full offer is, right? right. The contract is the whole offer. We need to give them the whole thing. Say, do you wanna do this, right? They sign it, yes, I do. The signature is the um, affirmative action or whatever you wanna call it, um, intentional action of saying, yes, I'm accepting this, this deal, right? On the phone, that's not where you wanna be giving them the offer, having them accept it, right? Cause you're not reading through all of your disclaimers and your limitations of liability on the sales call, right? You're talking right. about these are the results, this is what we're gonna do, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's right, that's how you sell it, right? But that's not the offer. The offer is the written contract. Acceptance is the signature, then we pay the invoice, right? Then we send them the invoice, that's called consideration, which is just the bargain for exchange, right? I'm paying you, you're giving me the product or service. Yep. That's how it needs to go. <clears throat> in order to have a um, legally sound arrangement, right? Written offer, written acceptance, consideration. Digital signature is fine too. But that flow is so vital to the importance of your business. And if you can set that up in the beginning and you're not one of those people, which so many people are, so if this is you listening, it's, it's okay. <laughs> um, 
where we sort of like do the cart before the horse, right? We're selling things, we're doing, and then like a year later, we're like, no, I should really get a contract. Or we just pull something from online. We have no idea if it's relevant to what we're doing. Somebody gave it to us, whatever. We think like, eh, contract is a contract. I don't even, it's probably fine. And then later we're like, wow, like this doesn't say anything I need. And it's kind of like insurance where it's not a problem until it's a problem, right? Right. Try without car insurance. Who's going to catch you, right? Until you cause an accident and then you're like, oh no. Yeah. Um, Contracts are the same thing, right? I'm sure you can go through uh, having clients with a crappy contract, right? And it's it's not a problem until somebody tries to challenge it or until they're like, hey, wait a minute, in this contract, it says blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I never read it. I don't know, right? Like I had him sign it because I was going through the motions. But um, I would say number one is be intentional about that process, right? I know legal is not the most exciting, sexy, fun thing that exists. Like I, I'm totally aware of that it's mostly just me that likes this. But you have to at least have like a cursory understanding of what the contract says, right? Have a, a basic idea. And if you need help, call me another business lawyer that can explain right like just the basics of what the contract says and means and does so that you can enforce it you look like a total ba that you can answer questions from your client if they ask questions about the contract and then you complete the the transaction right and you file the contract away maybe you never look at it you know it's in a folder on your computer or whatever Um, but in the event there's a problem that is the document you will be like oh thank god i did this right right because then if somebody sues you or somebody is going nuts, somebody's threatening you, you, you're, there's drama, right? The best way to avoid like entrepreneur drama is having that contract in place that you know was, it's a good contract. It applies to what you do. It was signed. It was signed before they paid. You're good, right? Right. Refer to the contract when that client is going AWOL or there's some issue, you can always bring it back to the contract. You don't have to be frantically Googling of like, I don't know what to do. Just look at the contract and say, okay, paragraph nine, here's how we handle a dispute. Paragraph six, no refunds, but here's what we're going to do. Like, it's all, it's like having the answers on a test, right? You don't have to panic about this drama that's unfolding. You're just saying, okay, let's look at the contract. Let's solve the problem. Done. It's way easier. Amazing. Now let's talk about chargebacks and disputes, right? Because in the, yeah. Oh, everybody (laughs) loves those. So in the online, for those of you that don't know, um, so actually I'll, I'll let you explain what, how would you define a chargeback or a dispute if somebody doesn't know what that is and why is it such a massive problem in the, mostly the digital business space? So a lot of times chargebacks and there's different, different types of things, but when you're, when you're, initiating a chargeback through a credit card company, through PayPal, through Stripe, through any of those companies, you're you're claiming that the services were not received or you're claiming even worse that the services were fraudulent, right? Fraudulent is a very strong legal word, right? Um, So when somebody files for a chargeback or they allege that the services were not rendered, there was fraud, whatever, um, and they're claiming with their company their credit card company or PayPal, whatever, that they they didn't get the services, the the payment company will initiate an investigation, right? Um, I'm saying that with air quotes if you're if you're just listening. Um, but they will investigate, right? You'll you will have to submit evidence that the services were actually rendered, that your company's not fraudulent. Like it's this whole big dramatic scene. Um, 
And a lot of the times, um, some payment platforms are more user-friendly than others, but a lot of the times, automatically the money goes back to the customer, right? Because these platforms want to keep their customers happy as well, right? This person who is initiating the chargeback is a customer of the credit card company, of PayPal, whatever. So they have an interest in keeping them happy as well. Um, so most of the time, what, what happens is the money goes back. Um, the other bad thing that can happen is if that happens, now you're being, you're being alleged as fraudulent more than one time. And that can hurt your ability to conduct business with these companies. So now you're flagged, right? Now they're going to hold on to more money. I think that happens with PayPal, right? They're going to hold on to most of your money to make sure you're not a random fraudulent company that's engaging in illegal activity, right? So I think a lot of times people don't understand the seriousness of a chargeback. Like if someone is going to purchase something online, they're going to purchase a digital service, they're going to purchase coaching, whatever. They change their mind. It wasn't what they thought. It's whatever, whatever, right? Like there are other ways to handle those disputes. To me, the chargeback is sort of the easy way out for people. Um, and it's kind of a low blow, right? Because they're knowing, oh, this I can probably get my money back through the credit card company. Like, well, hold on. Like, did you get the services that you paid for? Yes, some, right? Did you, you know, did you just misunderstand what the services were? We sort of need to unpack when somebody's unhappy. Like, why do you want your money back, right? A lot of times it stems from like, well, now I don't want to do it, right? Now I don't want to participate in this coaching. Now I'm feeling nervous that I just spent all this money. Like, that's not the company's fault. Like, you have to own your your choice. Like, nobody forced you, right, to pay for that service. And And assuming you got what you paid for, there's no reason for a chargeback. Now, obviously, are there companies that are fraudulent? Of course, right? Are there companies that are bait, total bait and switch, right? You pay for the, the program that you think, and that's absolutely not what you get. Yes, 100% that happens, right? So let's save those issues for actual fraudulent activity, right? Um, chargebacks are, are becoming a bigger and bigger issue for that same reason. People hear about it online. I think there's a lot of talk between you know, in, in groups online or people say, oh, you can get your money back by filing chargeback and people, right. are like, oh, you know, like it's sort of an easy way out. Yeah. And what I've noticed is, um, you know, it's really unfortunate that the process works the way it does, because if I buy a service from you, right, let's say I, I give you $2,000. And you go out and you spend all this time, resources with employees, with your, your time, with all of these things. And then I, all of a sudden, maybe, maybe I hire you to, to sue somebody, right? Which I know you don't do, but let, let's just say that, that that's what I hire you to do some kind of litigation. So you go through that whole process and then I just, Usually time, yes. so yeah, much. right. Yeah. And not to mention the time that took you to learn how to do that. And I call my credit card company and say, hey, wasn't happy, product wasn't received. And they say, okay. And because they want to keep their customer happy, they immediately issue them a credit. They pull that $2,000 immediately from your bank. Mm -hmm. And now you have to submit all of this evidence showing that this did happen. So even if you win, you still get this money pulled, which may have to cover payroll. It may have to go towards your rent. And, and this is a massive problem because one, I think that it's important to have because in a case that somebody is, you know, taken advantage of or money is stolen or it's a truly fraudulent, like stolen card kind of situation, 
mm-hmm. um, then they need to have a way to get their money back. That's important. Yeah. But because the bank makes $35 or whatever on each chargeback, the bank doesn't really care about the business because they know you're still going to accept the credit cards. Uh, it's not like you're going to stop and they make an extra $35 every time you lose a dispute. So they're, I mean, there's a reason why a majority of it goes towards the consumer, you know? Yeah. So I, I mean, it's, it's in the bank's interest, like you said, to keep their customers happy. I mean, I have lost a chargeback and it was, it was with someone who accidentally did it right? Yeah. Like no one wanted the chargeback to go forward. She submitted evidence saying that was an accident. I didn't mean to do that. Like got the services. Yes. I submitted her email saying totally an accident. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah. And she still got her money back. Like, yeah, I had to like invoice her again. Like it was so strange. It really showed that scenario for me really showed how one-sided it can be of like, no one was even saying that they wanted the money back at this point. And, and right. she still got it. Like, but did anyone even look at that? Like, it was a very strange scenario and really eye-opening of like, wow, like this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's just some so-called analyst air quotes uh, behind a desk who reviews a thousand of these a day. So they're just quickly, you know, they could be drinking their coffee, eating their lunch and just trying to get their work done. They don't give a crap. They don't know you. They don't want to hear your case. They just want to get their job done so they can go home. Right. That's what they're doing. So when these, when you have, and this is the most, when, you know, especially if you're in a digital space, especially in software where people will use the software for six months, forget that they had it, not cancel, not follow any of the terms and conditions, and then charge back all of those six months. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. And it's common. It's so common. And when you have all of the evidence, you have a recorded demo or a recorded onboarding call explaining the whole process, multiple contracts, and you still lose, it's like, how how is this even real? This doesn't seem fair. So what should somebody do if they do lose a chargeback that they literally should not have, right? Sometimes you maybe didn't set the expectation with a customer. They got something they didn't expect. You know, there's a muddy kind of gray area where it could be your fault. It could be theirs. Maybe you should have just refunded them. That's different. But when somebody literally defrauds you, takes money from your account after you've given them services. How do you battle that? What do you do? It's really challenging. I mean, I think um, a lot of the times we can look at more preventative measures, you know, like when you look at like, do I want to do business with these platforms? You know, you don't have to use all of these third party, you don't have to accept money from all these third party platforms. So a lot of times people try to prevent it from happening by only taking payment in certain forms, right? Um, so that the the likelihood of a chargeback goes down, right? You can only, you can avoid the platforms that seem to not look at the evidence at all in chargebacks, right? You can just say, I don't accept that. I don't accept those manners of payment. Um, and you can, when the client is, is trying to pay you for the services, you can be intentional about how you take payment. Um, thinking, okay, if this goes south, can they issue a chargeback on this, you know? Um, and now we can't, you know, predict what credit card they're using or whatever, but um, but we can be intentional about how we accept payment. That's a big one because a lot of times people say, oh yeah, but it pay me however, you know, because they just want the money. And right. then when you look back, you're like, you know, there was a, there would have been a better way to do that, right? I wasn't going to lose the sale if I didn't, 
you know, use this one platform, but it could have saved me later. So I would say, um, number one, look at the payment platforms that you're using and look at the ways in which you're accepting payment. Is there a way to tighten that up so that your exposure to chargebacks is less, right? From a legal perspective, we're always looking to reduce exposure. So if you're taking payment every which way, right? That's a big net. You're casting a wide net. There's lots of exposure there from all these different ways that someone could do a chargeback, right? How can we reduce that risk? Can we accept payment one way, right? In a way that the, the likelihood of a chargeback is very small. Um, the other thing is you can write into your contract that they agree not to, to issue a chargeback, right? Um, I like doing that and say that it will be, a, you know, if services are rendered, and it's, you know, it's not appropriate to request a chargeback that they agree that they, they can't do that, right? They, they waive that right in the agreement. Now we have to be careful because we can't, if, it, if there was actually a fraudulent service, right? They need to have that right to collect their money. But if the services were actually rendered and there is nothing where they would <laughs> validly issue a chargeback or request a chargeback, um, you could add that to your contract so that they're understanding, look, we can resolve this dispute another way. They are agreeing as a condition of the work with you. I, I, I won't do this unless it is actually fraudulent, right? Like if I'm, if we're communicating, if you're, if I'm receiving services, I will not issue a chargeback. I will resolve the dispute another way. Um, so that's really like my best advice as far as like how to, how to fix the chargeback issue is, is be preventative. Look at the front end. Um, cause on the back end, there's not a whole lot you can do, right? Once you lose, like there's not a whole lot you can do. There's, there's no, there's not a lot of fighting that can occur, right? Um, you can appeal to the person or the company, right? And say, look, what happened? Like, why did you take the money back? We did the onboarding. We did this, we did that. Like, why did you feel that you needed your full refund? Right. Um, but if the person's just going to take the money and run, there's not a whole lot we can do. Um, you know, you can try to appeal it. You can try to fight back. Um, then it becomes a matter of, of your time, right? Your time, yeah. is how much of your time are you going to spend to get this thousand dollars back or whatever it was when you could have made another sale worth five or whatever. So yeah. um, it's really tricky, right? Because on principle, you were totally wronged, right? Um, but we also have to try to balance rectifying that wrong with value of your time right yep. how much time am i going to spend fighting for this couple thousand dollars whatever the money whatever the value is and how much could i have made if i would have spent my time just in new business right at some right. point we have to move on from you know the the payments the payment plans that go bad the people that don't respond the people that you know mess up and don't complete their payment plans people that go away whatever like by and large that's part of can be part of doing business, right? Things are going to happen like that. And we could talk about that for hours, right? Of like how yeah. to prevent like, the missing payments and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it, when you look at it sort of big picture, I would, I would say that is just really look at, okay, is this worth my time to fight it? Maybe yes, right? Maybe then we, we appeal it. Maybe we, you know, we look at other avenues. Um, if it's just sort of a grudge of like, I was wronged. Yes, but... Can right. we move past it and get a better, you know, look at our new business and and let go of the three hundred dollars, you know? Right. Yeah. There, there's probably a big space for an attorney. Uh, I don't know. Is a collection attorney a sort of, you know, is that a thing? To collect on payments. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. There's, t- or, I mean, collection companies, right? Right. But I mean, like if an attorney, there could be an attorney who their whole full practice could be around chargebacks and you know how like a collection agency will reach out to somebody to collect. And, you know, imagine yeah. if you disputed a charge, you know, which you think there's no consequences for, and then you have a, an attorney reach out to you saying, Hey, we got to, you know, fix this. Um, I bet there would be a massive opportunity. That's got to be a thing. You know, I, I would be shocked sure if it, it wasn't. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I think there is a lot like um, there are definitely, I don't know if they're lawyers. Um, there's definitely people, hopefully they are. <laughs> but there's lots of people who, you know, tout themselves as, as you know, there's one called chargeback gurus. Like there's people that like have honed in on like exactly like you said, like this is a problem and we need a solution. Right. Um, I've never looked into like, how successful those companies are or what that process looks like. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it, if it's a lot of money and if you decide, you know what, I really do want to fight this. This is, this is not right. This person took $20,000. If it was a, yep. you know, something yeah. that you know, it's worth fighting. Um, there are definitely people who can help you um, go to battle. Right. Awesome. So Christy, um, tell me about coach legally and where can people find more info about that? Yeah. So Coach Legally is my legal education brand. And um, it's really the the nuts and bolts and, and where I spend the majority of my time. Um, there's two ways you can work with Coach Legally. One is through our low cost membership. So we have a, a membership called Coach Legally. Um, it's $97 a month or $1,000 for the whole year. Um, and you get really unlimited legal access. You get weekly Q&A calls with me personally, um, to answer any questions that you may have, you get uh, discounts on all of our legal templates that are drafted specifically for every niche of coaching, consulting, online business. Um, and then you get monthly master classes. So we've got master classes in there on how to start a business, how to file a business entity, trademarks, copyright, how to hire somebody, how to deal with contracting versus employee, how to create, you know, do payroll and all that. Um, how to podcast legally. There's there's so many different types of masterclasses in there and we have a new one populated every month. Um, so that's probably the, the most fun way to hang out with me lately. I'm, I, we're growing that a lot and it's really a fun way um, to make sure that your business is legally protected while still um, having a little bit of fun with it. It's a, it's a great community. The, the weekly calls, obviously there's a lot of people that join and everyone gets to kind of have a good discussion about it. People always talk about like, sometimes they just join the calls to listen and they're like, wow, like I've gained so much just from listening to the issues that are coming up for other people. Um, You know, little side pods have started of other people communicating and finding out, oh, hey, I do that too. Oh yeah, let's chat after this. Um, So it's really fun. It's really fun. And then within Coach Legally, we also have a huge vault of uh, templates. So um, tons of legal template bundles for coaches, of all different types of niches, event planners, podcasting, social media influencing, you know, hiring contractors, hiring employees, um, anything that you can think of. Um, and we have new ones that are being drafted all the time. Um, I dedicate a lot of time to keeping those updated and to drafting new ones, you know, as the digital world changes. Um, so we've got a lot going on in there, um, but really Coach Legally is the best place to find me. and. Um, I'm a little bit biased, but I think the best place to go if you are uh, starting a business, you're thinking about starting a business, you feel really overwhelmed or confused about the legal piece, or you just don't want to think about it because I think that I make it fun. So if you hate the idea of legal, 
watch some of my masterclasses and you will come out of it um, feeling like you have a better handle on it. And I hope feeling motivated to really take action and, and um, follow the action steps that I give. Yeah. And I'll vouch for you. Christy has done some legal work for my companies and she is awesome. She's on time. She does really great work. So if you're looking for somebody to either get guidance from, um, Christy is definitely a go-to, I would say. Now, Christy, where can people follow you? Yeah. So uh, Instagram is my favorite right now. It's at Christy Westerfeld. Um, no I in Westerfeld. <laughs> Um, so you can check me out over there. We are also starting a YouTube channel. So hold me to that. Um, I'm going to do lots of short videos of just like, here's the five things you need to know. Um, so we're getting that going as well. Also, those are going to be posted on Instagram too. So, um, Instagram is the best place to find me for free. Um, coach legally is the best place to find me for very uh, low cost. Um, and if you're really ready to dive into, to learning legal and you want, you know, to ask questions every week. Awesome. Well, everybody go check Christy Westerfeld out. She, uh, she really knows her stuff. And I think that in the space of especially online businesses, you're filling a big gap that needs, you know, there's just such a need for it. And people do not understand a lot of the things, even I don't, you know, I'm, I'm still learning every day. So Christy, thank you so much for showing up. Um, have a good day. Thank you so much for having me.